This is the Auto What Podcast. That's a weekly or bi-weekly episode, episodic podcast where we interview different people from around Ottawa. This is a bad start. Different, yeah, uh, going to keep it going. <laughs> uh, different uh, businesses, different things of the sort. We learn about the city. We learn about all kinds of things about people, our neighbors. And uh, today, uh, we're with Andre Rieu. Uh, the founder, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The founder, I suppose, of yes. Cartwright Springs Brewery. Uh, and I, of course, am Amon Bashir with Ms. Keegan on and Robert Trell. And on top of this being the 101st episode, uh, so we're now, we're now on the other side of 100. Yeah, yeah. This is the closest we've we, we're going to get to the, the, the two year anniversary now that we've gone by. Yeah, we did it, which is huge. That's mm-hmm. that's big. They uh, they didn't believe in us. Well, <laughs> just kidding. I don't know who they is in this case. Yeah, they didn't want to believe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, the incredible thing though is that we we've been we've had beers on probably at least ninety to ninety five percent of the episodes we've done, yep. and this is the first time we've actually had a brewer, someone who actually sells beer. This makes is awesome. Beer. Makes beer. A well, makes, that, makes and sells it. Yeah, we've had right. people who've made their own sort of I small guess. batches of beer. That's but, the distinction is this this is for sale. This is large scale. <laughs> yeah, this, this is for real. This is big. <laughs> all right. Well, no, I I'm excited. Uh, so first of all, thank you for coming on the show, uh, Andre. Yeah. Well, thanks for inviting me. Oh, of course. This is this is great. And mm. on top of that, not only did you bring a beer, you brought three different beers. So we're going to try all all three during this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so normally I ask Rob, what are we drinking today? Yeah. But Andre, why don't you take the honors? What what are we drinking first and foremost right now? Uh, the first one we have here is uh, is called I Tap That Blonde. And, I Tap uh, That. I Tap That. Okay. And then it's a blonde. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so this... <laughs> uh, I wish I could take credit for that name. Okay. Yeah, but uh, it was somebody else was uh, smart enough to uh, to come up with it. Is that someone on right. staff? Like you have a namer for all your beers? Actually, we had a Kickstarter campaign yeah. and one of the awards was name a beer. Oh. And uh, <laughs> one of our contributors uh, yeah. decided he wanted I'd tap that. Okay. And I thought, well, this, uh, this is pretty smart. I like it. <laughs> sure. But it doesn't really describe a beer. Right. So, right. so yeah. I thought, you know what? What if we make the entire line of beers that is lager? I'd tap that, and then it's it's either a blonde or something else. So mm-hmm. we'll huh. make a Rus, and we'll make a brown, and we'll... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> so so uh, about this particular blonde, you know, what... Can you speak to, you know, whether what went into it or, or what makes this different than other blondes that, 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 that we might have through, I don't know, other breweries, for example? Well, it's a, it's a Pilsner, and uh, Pilsners are typically made in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. They started in Pilsen, uh, Czech oh, Republic. Really? Yeah. Oh. Um, and uh, the reason they did a Pilsner there is because uh, typically for, for ales, you need a very good mineralized water. And they didn't have that. They had soft water. Okay. So they developed a very light uh, uh, recipe of a beer with, with uh, Pilsen malts. So mm. it, uh, it became famous. And uh, typically the uh, Pilsners are made with soft water. But uh, we make our beers with uh, our spring water, which is not very soft, actually. It's got a very good mineral content. So, uh, so this Pilsner turns out a little bit spicy, I think. Uh, a I get bit different. some of that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Cool. Uh, have you tried it yet? I have, yeah. What it's do you think? Very, it's very smooth. Like, this is also uh, the first time we've never been put on the spot tasting mm-hmm. someone's beer on air oh, yeah. for the first time. <laughs> We're all sweating. Yeah. <laughs> but it, wow. it's really good. Like, I, yeah, I kind of yeah. get the spice thing. I guess I'm used to tasting, not having not that much flavor in a lighter beer, but this mm-hmm. one's very flavorful. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the alcohol percentage? Do you know offhand? 
Yeah, it's. Is uh, it written there? <laughs> Keegan's looking. This is for the audio effects. Oh no! I'll that's, just check the. That's all right. It's on the. It's on the. Uh, okay. Oh, it's on the the label that I mangled. Yeah, four point eight. Four point eight. Not right. bad. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're we're gonna start with that, uh, and yeah, we'll we'll move on to the other two, uh, and w- I want to talk all about Cartwright Springs. But first, what I'd like to know is just a bit about you, Andre. So, can you speak to sort of where you're from and 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 sort of what brought you to eventually starting Cartwright Springs? So, sure. like your backstory, my backstory. Well, I um, I'm originally from a small town in northern Ontario called Valterais. And okay. most people don't know where that is. It's uh, north of Sudbury. Okay. And okay. Uh, I came to Ottawa for university. Sure. And uh, ended up staying here. Um, I've traveled quite a bit and I've lived in different cities, but I keep coming back to Ottawa because I really like it. Okay. Yeah. How, how, how far north of Sudbury? Um, it's only uh, 30 kilometers north of Sudbury. Oh, okay. Far. I'm from Elliott Lake, Ontario. Oh, okay. Very, That's... very, well, I mean, it's further, I guess, further east, north. But it's. Yeah. Uh, it's something I like to bring up as often yes. as possible on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay, growing up there, uh, and then you moved to Ottawa. Um, so, 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 what brought you to Ottawa? Uh, because uh, because I'm francophone, uh, there wasn't too many choices for universities that also had uh, courses in French. Yeah, right. so I decided to pick Ottawa U. Yep. there was Laurentian in Sudbury, but sure. I kind of wanted to adventure a little bit to get sure. out of Sudbury. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the other option was Ottawa. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And what did you study at Ottawa U? Um, at Ottawa U, I studied business. Oh, cool. Yeah. Makes sense. And uh, I went through the whole business program thinking that I'd become an accountant. <laughs> but then uh, when, I, when I got to a third year and I took intermediate accounting, mm-hmm. I, uh, I had this thing go through my head. It was, what am I doing here? <laughs> really? The, <laughs> Yikes. I, the course was so boring. Sure. I mm-hmm. uh, hope my teacher's not listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late to fail you now. Yeah, it's, it's too late. So I, I did finish the program and get a degree, but mm-hmm. uh, but I decided then that I, I needed to uh, to figure out something else. I, I'm not going to do accounting for my life. Sure. Um, right. So uh, so I went, uh, I went to Europe for a while. I... Uh, I did a student exchange to Latvia, oh. of all places. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. pretty cool. All right, I had never left Canada. In fact, the furthest east I had gone was Quebec City, and the furthest west was Sault Ste. Marie. Okay. I hadn't even <laughs> been to the states. Okay, and and uh, where do I go first trip? Latvia. Yeah. Wow, like <laughs> big really change. That's a crazy. shock. Yeah, yeah. So for uh, for a small guy from Northern Ontario, uh, totally uh, a big eye opener. Wow. Yep, yep. Uh, I loved it. Can you talk about some yeah. of the differences, maybe, that from Latvia to here? Yeah, oh my goodness. The well, yeah. the the year that I went was uh, uh, this is definitely going to date me, but uh, <laughs> was uh, the year after Latvia became independent from Russia. Oh wow! So they okay. had a, a lot of infrastructure um, uh, challenges. Let's say, yeah. Um, there wasn't much uh, use of electricity, for example. So imagine, oh, wow. imagine not many lights in wow. the city. Uh, a few. There's almost n- n- traffic lights don't exist um, when. Um, when I got to Estonia, we took uh, a train to get to Latvia, okay. and uh, each boxcar was heated with wood. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there was actually a steam engine train that was still working. We actually had a diesel engine train to bring us to, to Latvia, but okay. there was a steam engine train at, at the dock, and it wow. was still functional. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah. Like, really 
if you can if you can go back in time, that's what it felt like. Well, yeah, it seems yeah. like you didn't need to go back in time. You were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty wild. Okay, yeah. and uh, and then back in time for a lot of things, uh, not just the infrastructure. Uh, there was the the computer scene. Like I was in. Uh, 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 a lot uh, involved in MIS and stuff like management information systems okay, okay. And, uh, and basically computers. Yeah. Uh, when I got to the University of Latvia, I mean, wow, there, there was no PCs. There huh. was only these really old things that look like pet computers. Like the, the, <laughs> you, do you remember those ones that had the screen that it is attached to the oh, keyboard? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's the one big monster piece. And yeah. half the keys were missing. There were no benches in the lab. And there was no electricity. So how are you going to take MIS <laughs> or, or inform, uh, you know, uh, computer sure. studies at the university? There was no computers. So basically, wow. they learned computers from books. It was, wow. it was totally crazy. Yeah. So they had computer program like studies, but they didn't actually have any modern computers for the, for yeah. the era. No, they That's, didn't. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. And there was a huge discrepancy in prices too. Like uh, sure. the right. uh, the we had to use U.S. dollars, and uh, I mean five dollars U.S. will make you live for in the entire week. It's it's really wow. crazy. Yeah. Huh. So so <laughs> oh, go ahead. Sorry. Price, prices were in Kopec. Kopec is a centime of a ruble. You sure. can get 130 rubles for a dollar. So basically, 130 wow. Kopec <laughs> is a penny. That's wow. crazy. Things, things were, on average, 15 Kopec. So they, they were in that price range. Sure. Wow. That's, okay. And then wow. beer. Well, beer was a lot more expensive. That, oh. was, that was almost seven cents. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how you did it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so why, why Latvia? Uh, it was a, it's a strange question. I'm, uh, I always follow the, uh, uh, the, the, the path in front of me. Okay. I will take it unless there's a good reason not to. So someone had basically asked me, Hey, you want to go to Latvia? And I <laughs> didn't have a good reason to say no. So I said, yes, it was just like that. That's I had cool. no idea where Latvia was. I respect that. So the first thing I did was <laughs> opened up my Larus dictionary, the sure. French dictionary. Yeah, it has yeah. maps in the back. So I look for Lettonie and uh, I find it. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to Latvia. Easy enough. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How, how long oh. did you spend there? Uh, it was uh, just uh, a month. But, oh, okay. Um, but still. Yeah, it was good. That's, so that's spent, enough to experience that yeah. culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so you co- you came back from Latvia eventually, obviously. Uh, well, and, the funny uh, thing is, I didn't come back from Latvia. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because another friend of mine said, "Well, you're going all the way there, and you're not you're coming back to Canada. Like, why don't you just stay in Europe?" And again, I had no reason to say no. So I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a good idea." So I stayed in Europe. So I spent sure. all all summer in Europe. Of yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so where, where'd you go? Everywhere. Everywhere. I got a Eurail pass and just went. That's the way yeah, you do it. You name okay. it, I went. Cool. Yeah, yeah I like it. Pretty cool. All right. I was basically a bum. Hey, that's <laughs> yeah. okay. Uh, you did your thing, right? Yeah. And, and then, and did you bring back like attitudes or habits that you picked up in Europe? Like, did you see anything that you kind of incorporated into your your life now or your life at the time? Uh, I think what I really got from it was a travel bug. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah I, absolutely. It was an eye opener to travel, and uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Uh, how much I learned in, right. in a very short period of time. So I, I kind of uh, decided that at that point that I was going to travel again, of course, mm-hmm. um, anywhere. <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, I did. Every year I, I would take off and go somewhere different. That's great. Yeah. Not bad. So what did you do when you returned to Canada? 
Um, I came back to Canada to find that my uh, my application to engineering school had uh, not gone through oh. because uh, yeah I didn't want to do accounting. So what's the next <laughs> thing? Uh, I'm going to take engineering. Yes, of course. <laughs> so I applied for engineering and then you know disappeared for yep. four months. Um, when when I came back, I had a letter that had been in the mail for months. So I don't know how long, yeah. and uh, it was basically. Uh, a letter saying that I wasn't accepted. I had to go talk to the dean yeah. right. before registration just to explain my case. Well, you know, yeah. as a graduate already, you should be able to just go to the dean and say, obviously, there's, you know, make an exception here. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't have my grade 13 chemistry. That That's what kept me from uh, uh, getting uh, into Ottawa U uh, uh, engineering. So, uh, so then I, all right, so uh, what am I going to do? I need to do something now. Uh, yeah. I don't want to work in accounting. I already had a job lined out if I wanted it, but uh, sure. I wasn't interested. So mm-hmm. uh, so I decided to go back to school, but now I couldn't go to my engineering course, courses until I had this grade 13 chemistry thing yeah. figured out. Uh, so actually, I went to Algonquin to see if there was anything I could do for a year that would advance me in uh, in engineering. Yeah, And I found uh, they had a program for electronics engineering technology. It looked very interesting, actually. <laughs> so, uh, so that that course was already started. Okay, um, I'm going to go talk to the dean, and uh, <laughs> so I did. And they they said you can't register now. It, the registration was done two months ago, sure. and the classes already started. Yeah. You, you can't start now. I'm like, well, this is what happened. I went to Europe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I came back, and I couldn't go to school. I really want to learn about engineering. So, uh, can I take the program? Um, I'm going to start right now. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I basically had a good case. I, I, yep. uh, I showed him my resume, basically, what did I do, yep. uh, how interested I was in the program, and that I wouldn't let him down if he let me into the program. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, all right, well, class is already in session. Go to this room, and yep. we'll figure out your uh, registration huh. later. So uh, I went to class that day. Wow. Yeah. Right away. Yeah, it's right it was, out of a movie. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> and then uh, after class, uh, I figured out this registration business and got in. So, so okay. that, that was pretty good. Okay. So first year, uh, uh, I kind of breezed through it. Sure. Because, well, going from university to college, it's, uh, it's a big uh, yeah. jump in the amount of... Uh, of uh, effort, I guess. Okay. And uh, there's a lot of overlap, I imagine. And there's a lot yeah. of overlap. Things I had learned that uh, that apply, of course. Uh, right. the, the thing that you learn the most, of course, in university is how to study. Mm-hmm. And, oh, right. Yeah. And, uh, and the thing that I learned the most was how to read English a little bit faster. And that, that helped <laughs> okay, me a lot. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> because in university, I wasn't good at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. And, and, and then what, what, what came next? Well, next was, do I decide to go to university the second year after I've done this grade 13, get it out of the way, uh, grade 13 chemistry, and, uh, and do this first year at Algonquin? Um, I pretty much aced all my courses, yep. so I was top student. Yep. Um, what do you do when you're top student somewhere? You, you decide, well, I probably should stay here. Right, uh, I guess. Cause, <laughs> yeah. cause I, plus, I was really enjoying the program. I, I learned yeah. a lot of things, and they were... It was fun. So I decided, oh, you know what? I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to do the full program. Okay. And they also had uh, um, 
uh, co-op uh, option. Oh, great. And as, as one of the top students, you are pretty much assured that you're going to get a job. Sure. So, mm, so yeah. that was, and the whole purpose of going into engineering is that I wanted to work at uh, Bell Northern Research because I had seen the labs actually with the student exchange to Latvia. When the uh, Latvians came to Canada, we had to show them technology. Yep, so right, we, we got yeah. all set up to go to the labs at BNR. Well, I was impressed. It was very, very cool stuff. So yeah. I, I, I basically said, well, I'm going to work here. Done. This is, I don't even have to look for a job. I know I want to work here. Not bad. It was, That's uh, awesome. It was like that. So, uh, so I did that. Yeah. And you worked there? I did, actually. Uh, I got into uh, to BNR. It was my first co-op term because uh, I was the, the student with the top marks for the school so, or yep. for the program. Yep. And uh and they, you know, basically they have top pick because they they were the most prized employer. Of course. And uh, and at that point, there's there's not really anything on your resume that'll differentiate you from another student. I mean, mm, basically, yeah. they just they just go by marks, right? So sure. if you have the top score, they'll they'll pick you first. And you're if sure. you say yes, you're in. That's it. Yeah, you did it. Mm. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Okay. So you know, obviously, I guess you you continued your you started, I guess, a, a career in in. Whether it was engineering, or electronics engineering, or systems, or, or whatever yeah. it was, yeah, uh, did you spent a long time in that field. Yeah, eighteen years. Eighteen years. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I survived uh, thirteen rounds of layoffs at Nortel. Oh, oh, wow. wow, good for you. <laughs> and then uh, until they sold uh, my group and all of the assets to Alcatel, so then I, I moved oh. to Alcatel. Okay, and uh, worked there for I don't know over at least five years, mm-hmm. and. Okay. Uh, and then is then I found the springs <laughs> of a crazy thing actually yeah yeah because uh, I w- really wasn't looking but I I totally remember the morning that I um I decided to look at the MLS maps okay. and it was a very strange thing because I had never done it before okay I knew the maps existed of course. but I was like. I had a pile of work to do. Yep. I really shouldn't be browsing on the internet. <laughs> yeah. But I had to open up the MLS maps. Sure. So I did. And, uh, and I picked an area randomly halfway between Ottawa and Kalibogi because I found Kalibogi was a bit too far. If I did find a place I wanted to go to, yep. it's an hour drive. Right. Okay. So half an hour drive is a lot more, no problem. Yep. And um, so then, anyways, this map starts getting populated with little red dots. Yeah. And... Uh, I clicked the first dot. It was a cottage in White Lake. Okay, whatever. I'm not looking for a cottage. And then sure. the second was a, another small cabin. Yeah. The third dot I clicked changed my life <laughs> because <laughs> it was this property in Pakenham. Um, the description was terrible. It said uh, <laughs> 77 acres of undeveloped land. That's it. That was the entire description. Okay. Um, and associated to that, there was two pictures of this property in black and white. All you could see is black and white trees. Great. Huh. Yeah. And it was wintertime, so imagine oh, they're not yeah, the yeah. greatest of pictures. No. Um, I was curious. So, yeah. So I called up the agent. Surprisingly. I, I figured out where this place was. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that night I went to visit. I had snowshoes in the car, so I went for a hike. Loved it. Right yeah. away, I loved it. It was uh, really, really nice. But the kicker was when I was coming back towards the car, I came across a stream. Um, the stream... The stream appeared strange to me because I hadn't crossed the stream to get to this creek called Cartwright's Creek. Yeah. And um, so I followed it and I came across a pool of water that had no stream going into it. Huh. What's going on there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so then I, I looked at it and I could see the sand moving at the bottom. 
And I was like, oh my goodness, it's no joke. I had shivers. <laughs> it's totally crazy. So, uh, so I saw this and, uh, and I was like, oh man, artesian spring is sure. right there in front of me. So I stuck my face in it and uh, <laughs> tasted it. It was great. Yeah. Uh, and it took me about 30 seconds to know how my life is going to change. Um, I'm going to get this place. I'm going to build a brewery. Everything <laughs> in my head in 30 seconds. You just knew. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, wow. What what were you originally looking for when you look at the MLS maps? Um, were you looking for like a just a like a, a home, a property? You, but you didn't know what you want to do with the property. You I was just looking for a want... project. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You were looking <laughs> I, for a project. Yeah. I I like. Uh, actually, I don't really even know. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a bit like that. It, huh. it, it's it's one of those just like why I went to Latvia. I mean. Uh, there was no reason not to get this place, so yeah. I did. Right, and there was no reason not I love to start your style. a brewery. Yeah. yeah, so so I uh, now I had to organize myself to get laid off. That was a <laughs> well, you want that severance? Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, but I managed. It, it was uh, it was not that hard. I I just had to teach other people how to do my job. Okay, um, and then uh, document all my procedures so that when I walked into my manager's office, I could say, "Hey, listen, can you put me on the list?" And uh, and they'd have no problem with it because well I was replaceable right yeah. oh, right I see huh. so you didn't have to trick them into getting laid off no <laughs> that's good yeah I, I organized it so it'd be a smooth yeah. transition I see yeah, yeah. that's the responsible way yeah. To do it. Yeah. yeah good for you Andre yeah. could you explain to the the listeners and me as well what a spring is or how springs work so uh, basically <laughs> there's an aquifer which means there's water underground mm-hmm. that has a pressure that forces the water to come out. And uh, most of the time, they'll come out from the side of a hill hmm. uh, through a rock crack or something. Um, in this case, they're coming from underground. And uh, it's coming straight up into a pool of water. Um, when it comes up, there's, a, there's quite a bit of flow. So you'll see the sand moving at the bottom. Right. And this, when I saw it, I had shivers. Yeah. The last time I had seen that phenomena... I was in Indonesia, and they oh, built a wow. temple around the spring. Right, thousands of people were going yeah. to check out that <laughs> sure. phenomena, yeah. and I'm like, it, it didn't. I couldn't even fathom how I can own one. That's just ridiculous, right? right? Sure, yeah. So it's fairly uncommon, I assume. It like a was, spring. It. I think it's more common than we think. Okay, but I've never. I've only ever seen another one. Right. 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 So I guess it's not that common. Yeah. And if you didn't go to Indonesia, it might not have like clicked like that. You know, you might have saw it. It might not have given me the same shivers. Yeah. You're you're right. Uh, I think I would have realized though that it was a bit of a gold mine. Yeah. Right. Did did they know about the spring on the property? They did. Um, (laughs) It it didn't seem to be that important of a feature to them. Okay. The reason is because when you, when you build a house, Typically, you drill a well, sure. and that's the way to do things now. A mm-hmm. hundred years ago, that spring was quite famous, actually, sure. because uh, it was everybody knew that was the spring for fresh water. You stop there with your horse and buggies, and yeah. you get your water for yourself and your horses. Sure, yeah. huh. but uh, with the advent of farmhouses with drilled wells and plumbing, you, the, the spring got forgotten. I guess so. Yeah, not bad. Do you know what was there before? Um, actually. There's not much evidence of anything. Like I said, it was undeveloped land, right? Right. There there was a small trail, um, and uh, someone told me that 
the, the spring was so important a hundred years ago that somebody had actually built a hotel next to it. Uh, there is almost no evidence of this like, <laughs> wow. historically huh. or or stuffling around. But when I did clean up the the, the ground for putting the brewery down, mm. I did find some very interesting china pottery you know the oh, wow. the type oh, really? of uh, plates that have huh. the blue on it and yeah, stuff yeah. it was like whoa okay <laughs> super old yeah, yeah. yeah so something was there something was yeah. there there you go yeah. not bad yeah. okay that's cool so maybe as uh keegan if you don't mind pouring the next set uh yeah. of yeah. beers um andre could you at least begin and i'm sure in the middle of it we'll we'll start talking about the beer but could you at least begin talking about <laughs> starting the brewery Sure, sure. I can do that. Um, it's funny because there's... Oh, you, yeah. you don't need the to do that to the mic. Foley <laughs> <laughs> artist. It's, it helps. Yeah, it's helping. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Andre. So just to describe what he's doing now, he's he's flipping open the top, yeah. but it's it's tricky because... Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those easy caps, a bit like Grolsch bottles. Yeah, 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 yeah that's true. Um, so, um, yeah, starting a brewery... Um, Typically, what people do, yep. <laughs> which is probably a lot easier than what I did, sure. was uh, to lease a building that has running water yep. and electricity yep. and a sewer system. Yep. And then you just get all your equipment set up and start making beer. Now, you had none of that. We had nothing. We had the side <laughs> of a hill. In fact, one of the, the first thing that I bought after the property was a, a tractor because I started, I had to make a road. <laughs> yep. And huh. uh, yeah, so yeah. two weeks after uh, finding the property, yeah. I bought it. And a week after that, I bought a tractor. I started working. Of course. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, the first thing I did was uh, design and, and uh, uh, design my house. So I had never done that either, but sure. I had this idea in my head that I could. So okay. I did. Right. And, uh, and it turned out really good, actually. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. And, Not bad. Uh, then I hired a, a local uh, log home builder to frame it for me. Okay. And uh, that, that went really well. Okay. Uh, once the house was done, then I have to get into the uh, the mode of, uh, all right, let's build this brewery. Yep. <laughs> and uh, we had to do everything from uh, get permits to do it. Yeah. Tricky. It, yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, well, it turns out that uh, a brewery is a commercial uh, yeah, yeah. place. And yep. uh, my property was owned rural. Oh, and so the you rural, you're allowed to be, you know, uh, a woodworker or yeah. a mechanic sure. in your shop. But okay. uh, the, the brewery wasn't listed on the, the list of things you can Exceptions. do from home. Sure. Right. So I had to add that. That's <laughs> pretty tricky. You had to apply to the city? For uh, you have to like apply variance? to the city and you need a bylaw amendment and right. uh, zoning and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Right. It's, uh, it's very complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I'm sure if we have a, a two-hour podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> step by step. Yeah, we'll exactly. go through each form. <laughs> yeah, fill out. Okay. What was so, the, uh, so maybe what? Let, let's take a quick pause. Let's talk about the, the beer quickly and we'll continue again on, on that. Just I have because a burning of, question. Yep. Because Keegan, Keegan's just dying to ask a question, okay. and I've cut him off. Okay. So why don't we talk about the beer first? <laughs> uh, Andre, maybe we'll even let you finish your first beer, because we, we keep asking questions as you try to finish. That's all good. Uh, but uh, has anybody tried this next beer? Or, or do I you know have. what this next beer is called yet? I keep tearing the labels. This one's <laughs> called Five Bar? Span. Span. Five, five Span, span APA. Yes. Hmm. Oh, I've heard of an... IPA. This is an American Pale Ale. That's the 
that is ex- actually exactly what it means. Okay. Oh, nice there one. I don't think yeah. we've, we've had no. some American pale ales. What, on. What's the difference between an APA and an IPA? Ooh, Ooh I couldn't <laughs> tell you that. Uh, I, I can't even guess. There's well, not. There's not actually much difference. Um, and an IPA is uh, the the uh, style of uh, beer that was brewed by the Brits yep. uh, that they were sending to India. Yep. And the reason they did that was. Uh, they they had to develop a, a recipe that would actually survive the journey all the way to India. Right. Yes. And hops are a natural preservative, so they right. added more hops, and hence the uh, this new recipe called IPA. Yeah. Um, if you use North American hops instead of the hops that the Brits had mm-hmm. at the time that they were developing this recipe, you should call it an IPA. Oh, yeah. hmm. oh is that the so only it's difference? a similar style. You use more hop complexity and a little bit more hops in there, okay. uh, but uh, it's uh, it's just using North American hops instead of uh, the ones that the Brits had. Now, does that affect the taste at all? Uh, hops hops are quite. Uh, Diverse in uh, in yeah. flavor and aroma, yeah. uh, they they can range from grassy to uh, to citrusy and uh, tropical fruits. Sure. Uh, so um, just just the style of using a little bit more hops makes it an IPA or an APA. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it's so it's a pale ale with quite a bit of hoppiness. Okay. Now this one, this particular one. Um, I, I had designed right after making a wet hopped IPA. And uh, the, the wet hop just means that you use hops right after you pick them. So they're still squishy and green. I okay. see. And okay. uh, that, that recipe turned out really, really nice. The wet hopped IPA turned out really nice because uh, it was extremely aromatic and flavorful. Yeah. But it didn't have much bitterness. And uh, the, the customers that came in and tried it, they loved it. They really, really loved it. Huh, okay. And so I, I thought, okay, I'm gonna have to make a non-seasonal that is similar to this and uh, so this is the one i made the uh, the apa uh so it's not very bitter uh but it has quite a bit of uh, aroma and flavor uh, mm, because we used seven kinds of hops in it oh, oh wow. is that right yeah. and is that where like the the brownish amber color comes from no that color comes uh, from the malts we use uh oh. so we use um especially a, a crystal malt is a, a bit heavier roast so this caramelized a bit. Right. That's that's the color. Yeah. It's almost a caramel color. Yeah. Right? I like that. Yeah. I like brown ales. Yeah. yeah. It's really nice. Interesting. Um, so in terms of how many hops you generally use, you use about seven for this one. No, this uh, this was a bit uh, overly hop complex. Uh, so I, typically, three hops is sufficient. Three, um, I see. But... We, hey, we why like, not? Yeah, why not? Go we, wild. We've sometimes. got them, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sure. Not bad. Uh, oh, great. So, Keegan, you, you oh, have a burning finally, question. Finally. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, I, I'm very interested in, because we've talked about your background in accounting and engineering uh, and tractor driving. <laughs> but uh, where did your knowledge of brewing come from or your knowledge of beer come from? So, I started brewing uh, in university. Okay. Uh, because uh, I spent too much money on the books, <laughs> and and, uh, and I still wanted beer, yeah. but, I, but I couldn't really afford it. So we decided to start making it. Mm. So uh, we bought the kit and yep. uh, start home brewing. Sure, in res. Oh uh, wow! I'm not kidding. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bad it was day. awesome. Yeah. 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 So uh, I was uh, pretty popular. Yeah, yeah. that's how that works. Lots of friends in the university. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it, it turned out really good. So we did that 
myself and a few friends, we'd get together and brew all kinds of stuff. Um, and, uh, we started getting better at it, uh, Mm -hmm. until, you know, until I, I got a job and now I could afford to buy beer. Sure. Right. But I really wasn't happy with what I can buy. (laughs) So I, I was like, yeah, keep making it. It tastes better. Wow. Yeah. It's good that you got to a point where you preferred your own beer and not yeah. just because you didn't I, want to spend the money. I don't know if it's because I got used to my own beers. And there's also a little bit of the appreciation that friends have when you serve them a beer you made, right? Yeah. Because uh, you can serve them, you know, the generic whatever you just bought at the, anywhere. <laughs> sure. at, the, at the time that this was happening, there wasn't really the... Uh, the proliferation of microbrews. So right, there wasn't yeah. too many choices. You basically had either Molson's or Labatt's. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. uh, well. <laughs> that that is not quite the same. explains a lot about why you did it yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And how long would you say it took you to get, get good at, at brewing your own beer? Because it seems very daunting to me. Like, I've looked into it a few times. Yeah. And from the get-go, it's very, uh, there's a lot of different parts and temperatures to take. It's uh, pretty specific. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, technique to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you, uh, if you basically follow the guidelines, the rules, uh, it's, it's relatively easy to make beer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only four ingredients. Right. That's yeah. right. So, so uh, as long as you get your malts and you know how to crack them and you you know you mash them at the right temperature and uh and you boil and use your hops the only thing left is uh is knowing how to sanitize your equipment because that's very very important you right. have you have to keep your stuff clean otherwise you will contaminate your beer and then it won't it won't be good for sure yeah, sure. yeah. less popular yeah, yeah. 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 so uh now that you're, you have sort of a large scale production compared to your res production, <laughs> uh, which might have been large scale, you know, but but not quite the same. Um, two questions come up for me. One, uh, I was on a brewery tour, and doesn't matter where this this brewery in question had some good, you know, so, some quality equipment, and it turns out that other beers used their equipment. And they sort of bottled it or, or canned it there yeah. under the other person's labels, just and, and there's some kind of backdoor deal. Uh, and, and apparently, that's something that's pretty common here. And, and I, I, I guess I wasn't supposed to have seen that. <laughs> and I think <laughs> the person giving the tour realized that maybe they should put things away when they're giving <laughs> tours. But the fact is, you know, uh, or Keegan, you were there. We, I didn't see anything, man. All right, there you go. So, <laughs> so that I'm knocking on my door. <laughs> but but that that happens. And, and you know, when I heard that the, for the first time, I was like, you know, of, of course, that makes sense. As you're sort of building a brand, that's something that, you know, why, why not do that? Mm-hmm. Now, in your case, you didn't do that. You jumped right to a brewery. Absolutely. So, so what went through your mind in terms of that? Did you even consider the alternative? Actually, I did consider the alternative, okay. uh, but uh, the alternative was to figure out how to bring my water to right. a contract brew place. Sure. Right? Yes. Because really, the key ingredient to our beer is the water, the spring water, the spring water, and nobody without, else has it. Without that, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Now, now, question number two: because you you decided to undertake this all yourself. 
the big difference now that it's a large scale production is that one, you need to fit within, I, I'm sure there are, there are a series of regulations. Uh, and two, you need a consistent brew. How can you describe sort of how, how you approach those two things? Um, yeah, well, sure. Um, well, the consistent brew is, uh, is pretty easy to do if you're using the same ingredients, basically a recipe. Uh-huh. Um, and you have a constant supply of the same kind of water. Right. And in our case, we're really lucky that yeah. our, our spring is actually a pretty deep aquifer. And we know that because the water that comes out is always 7 degrees Celsius. So that was one of the first things we checked huh. is, what's the temperature of the water yep. in the summer, in the winter? Is there a difference? It was always 7 degrees. Oh. And, and that just means that uh, it's a, well... It's a deep aquifer. There's going to be consistent mineral content because that's important for making a consistency in your beer as well. Mm. And and because it's a deep aquifer, uh, we're not too worried about the aquifer running dry. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Which is pretty important as well. Yeah, uh, it's sure. very, very important. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the temperature means it's, it's so deep that it, that the atmosphere doesn't affect the, the temperature? Yeah, there's quite a, thing, a few things that don't affect it. Right. Um, one of them is uh, seasonal uh, droughts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and uh, the temperature of the, the, the topsoil, I guess. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So the sun and, and the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, in the winter, it's kind of neat because uh, it looks like a hot spring. There's, yeah, right. There's <laughs> steam coming off of it, right? Because there's <laughs> a course. difference of 30 yeah. degrees Celsius uh, yeah. between the water and the air. So there's a lot of steam coming off. <laughs> that makes sense. And uh, in the summertime, it's, you know, mm-hmm. dip your toes in there. It's pretty cold. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Do you have any, any idea of how deep it is? Um, this is a tricky question. Um, I, nobody can figure that out. Right. Yeah. Nobody. It's even even NASA with all their satellites, (laughs) deep deep, uh, earth probing. No, it's like science fiction a little bit. Um, I'm sure there's ways, but it's, it's 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 not important. (laughs) Well, it's not so much that it's not important. It's, it's really, really like even the hydrogeologists will tell you, yeah, we have no idea where it right. comes from. Yeah. yeah. And, and just be it's lucky. It's deep enough. Just be lucky it's yeah. there. Yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, a few of your other interests include, uh, you know, just different types of sports, but specifically extreme sports. Yeah. So can, can you speak to, you know, some of the things you do outside of, when you're not working at that Cartwright Springs, when when you're not brewing or, or anything, what what else do you do? Um, I right now I play a lot of volleyball. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, which is not an extreme sport. <laughs> no, sure. Some some people play pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, pretty, actually, our group pretty <laughs> yeah, it's pretty extreme. <laughs> okay, uh, extreme enough that uh, well, we we play at Britannia and we play twos, so it's like real beach. Oh, that's extreme. extreme. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and quite a few years ago. Uh, I was really into traveling for playing sports. So I I would travel to where the mountains were to climb the mountains. I would travel to where the rock was to climb rock, um, to, to go, to go kite surfing. I also traveled to go kite surfing. Um, and then I had this idea that why not just travel to go play volleyball as well and invite all my friends. So, uh, so I basically sent out a a pretty vague email to a bunch of (laughs) friends saying, Hey, you know, winter is long. Do you guys want to go somewhere nice to play volleyball on a beach during the winter? Like, sure. Right in the middle, like let's say end of January. Yeah, yeah. And I got enough responses back to warrant, you know, organizing something. So uh, so the first time I just picked 
Cuba because it had the nicest sand, Veradero. I was oh, like, yeah. wow, nice sand. I didn't care at all about where <laughs> we're going to sleep. Sure, yeah. I didn't care about the food. I didn't care about how <laughs> bad the beds were. It's There's sand. a nice beach. Let's oh, go there. Okay. So, uh, so I, I, uh, I actually just picked this resort uh, in Veradero and sent out the invite. How many people? 38. Oh, went on this oh, trip. Wow. wow. It was crazy fun. Well, yeah. <laughs> just That's ridiculous. a volleyball tournament. Yeah, That's what that brackets. is. Yeah. We, we set up four nets, and oh, every wow. day we're just playing volleyball. Not bad. Awesome. Get up in the morning, eight in the morning, we're already playing volleyball. <laughs> uh-huh. Play till we're, uh, you know, ready for lunch. Yeah. Have a small break, have some lunch, and uh, in a couple of cervezas yeah and uh then resume until sunset and we just played volleyball all day that's amazing and good for you yeah. kind of funny yeah hey, i, I had a summer plan for us yeah rob, rob and i play in a volleyball team right yeah. now we're so, playing beach volleyball but okay. it's at brewer park so it's yeah. not going to be nearly as as nice as a beach in cuba yeah, <laughs> yeah. actually you know rob, we uh we went away on uh like a cottage thing yeah. for uh last summer just like somewhere in yeah in quebec Ayama. And I think one day it was really uh, yeah, it was Kayama, yeah. I know Kayama. Oh yeah, oh, and go. we set up a volleyball thing there as well. Oh, yeah. oh there you go. <laughs> yeah, so where we played, it wasn't very nice. It was kind of like a rocky, yeah. sandy pit. Yeah, and it was raining. Yeah. And uh, Rob and I love volleyball, so no one else would play, and so we just played one one on one for like an hour. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, volleyball retreat sounds awesome. That does sound really fun. Yeah. My Definitely. buddy has a cottage in uh, Kayama. Yeah, and uh, the the land is not that great. Mm-hmm. So uh, so we imported some sand, made a volleyball court oh, next wow. to his cottage. But the nice thing about La Cayama, and I'm sure you've gone around, is that there's some shallow parts. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. He, and right in front of his cottage, he's got this super wide bay of shallow water. And we set up a volleyball net in the water. Oh, wow. So we just play <laughs> water volleyball. Oh, that's awesome. Bad. Yeah, it's awesome. So <laughs> the first year we used a normal ball and it got really heavy. <laughs> the leather gets soaked. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so he invested in this special ball that's just for playing in the water. Mm-hmm. Oh. And you swear it was the same as a normal volleyball. It's wow. nice balance, nice weight, and, and a lot of fun in the water. Not bad. That's great. Okay. Yeah. All right, so cool. what are some extreme sports you do? All right, we're kind of ramping up to something. Yeah. We need some extreme talk. All right. Uh, so you talked about rock climbing. You talked about... Uh, alpine stuff. Yeah, alpine. I've done yeah, lots exactly. of alpine. Yeah. Um, yeah. It started with rock climbing. Yep. Uh, I, I had been doing rock climbing quite a bit, yep. and then uh, I went and lived in France for a while. And it was amazing. I mean, everywhere you go, the the walls are are bolted. It's yeah. it's really awesome. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. You yeah. see a rock, and it's already all set up. <laughs> you just bring your ropes, your your beaners, and climb oh, up, man. Not bad. Yeah, and um, and it was a, a good in for meeting a, a very good crowd of friends yeah. in right. in uh, in France. Like basically, I'm going to be there for an extended period of time. I, I was there for nine months, sure. so uh, so I made some friends and. Every weekend we just go climbing. It was yep. awesome. Yeah, because yeah, I absolutely. mean the Alps aren't that far when you uh, when you take the TGV. Sure, and, uh, <laughs> and so we 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 go all over the place. Like, uh, and there's uh, and I also discovered uh, uh, something new, uh, bouldering, uh, mm-hmm. because there's Fontainebleau is not too far from Paris, right. and okay. um, uh, it's really awesome. Like seriously, if you want to go to a magical place, Fontainebleau is one of those. Is that it's right? So, so awesome. Yeah. All right, all right. You just and need shoes and a truck bag and you're set. Right, yeah, because bouldering is rock climbing without the, the harnesses. Yeah, and, you just yeah. go at, at your own pace. Uh, and there's some extremely challenging routes. Like, yeah. huh. really, really awesome. 
Not uh, bad. Nice place. Uh, so that really kind of started me on on uh, a little bit more advanced level of uh, rock climbing because we also went climbing uh, uh, in Cassis. Uh, Les Calanques de Cassis is between Marseille and Cassis where the walls are 300 meters high. So oh. we'd do some multi-pitch stuff that wow. was right yeah. on the Mediterranean. Cool. That was, in my opinion, the, when something happened where, wow, you know, traveling to do adventure sports really sticks in your head like yeah, you you, right, you yeah. remember those moments like nothing else right so then that got me uh, really into it uh, and i had done some some stuff in the alps too like higher in the mountains okay so i was like that's it like every time i travel i'd like to do it for sports so i'm not just going to relax somewhere i yeah, want to go and experience something so so i went to thailand and you know climbed in the in the tunsai oh, okay is, oh, I thought the Canal de Cassis was the number one place on earth until I went to Thailand. I was like, oh my goodness, it's unbelievable there. Not bad. Yeah, yeah everything's bolted there too and a really nice uh, uh, sandstone rock yep. um, that looks like a cave that's inside out. I mean, there's stalactites that hang over the sea and you can oh, just wow. climb everything. It's, that's awesome. Yeah, really? Pretend you're a monkey and go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's not bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fun well, stuff. Well, speaking of extreme sports keegan has a has a game he I wants do. to play well, and, and 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 what's it i don't know if you have a name for it but, but can you describe the game this game's called is this an extreme sport okay that's a cool. very generic name it, so I mean, i'll have, take it i have a bunch of sports here some are real mm-hmm. some are not real and you have to tell me if this extreme sport is really an extreme sport or if i just made it up all right, that's Kay. fun. And, yeah. and if if we've done it, we can we just oh yeah, like, even yeah, oh even better. This yeah. For yeah. Sure. Okay. So we're gonna play Team Ottawa, Amon and Rob, who yeah. have uh, an abysmal track record. They never win. We're not very good. They're not very good. And uh, Andre, you'll be playing for Team Guest. Traditionally, very strong. All right, so high expectations. Andre, <laughs> as Team Guest, you get to choose if you'd like to go first or second. Uh, let's go first. First, oh, yeah. yeah. Let's lead this. All right, the first extreme sport. Or is it? It's called power balking. Is that a real sport? I mean, an extreme sport? How, how do you spell balking? Power balking. Power and then B-O-C-K-I-N-G. Hmm. Power balking. I would say I've never done it, so I'll vote for no on that one. All right, the answer is it is a real sport. Whoa. It's, Whoa. Uh, it looks like you have, it's like stilts, but with pogos on each of them. And you just jump really high and do flips and wow, that's cool. <laughs> Power balking yeah. okay. in New Zealand, I believe. Huh? Oh, neat. All right. Would uh, you guys have guessed yes or yeah? No? What do you no. think? Uh, I I would have guessed no as well, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Okay, Team Ottawa, your turn to take the lead for maybe the first time ever. Oh, all right. Creaking, 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 creaking. It sounds real. Is that a it real? Like it could be extreme sport. Or but is that a made-up like... sport? Ah, creaking. Creaking. Spell like is, yeah, it, is well, it EE it or is it EA? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> then I'm going to say it's not. Uh... Yeah, I would say not. Yeah. It's Ooh, for real. I'm sorry. It. it is for real. Andre, can you tell them Wait, about creaking? Oh, yeah. It's totally oh, no. awesome. Yeah, Oof. creaking. <laughs> what? Absolutely. What is creaking? Well, it's a bit like kayaking, but on really, really small rivers. So there's... Uh, yeah. yeah. Ah, That's exactly huh. it. So yeah. it's a double yeah. E. Oh, it is. Now that I see... Oh, you're the worst. All right, so zero zero still. (laughs) Okay, Andre. Uh, 
Gameshi ball. <laughs> Is that a real sport? <laughs> Or just something I thought was funny to say. <laughs> Since you've got the answers in front of you, you're probably going to say no. <laughs> it's not a real sport. Do that. It is not a real sport. Who would even write that? I don't know. You wrote that. Me. I don't know. Someone wrote that. All right. Oh, All right. Wow. One nothing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Team Ottawa. <laughs> Air kicking. Is that a real sport? Air kicking. Or a made-up sport? That, again, that sounds made up. I want to say made up again. Yeah, made up. Made up. Right, can we take a guess Andre, as what, do you what think? it is? Yeah, you can guess if you like. Well, if, if I was to invent a sport and call it air kicking, yeah. I would be jumping out of an airplane. Oh, uh, interesting. Now, you have, uh, you're, you're strapped into a board, a bit like a, a, a wakeboard or a, mm-hmm. or a snowboard. And uh, and you're you're kicking the air with this thing as you're going down. I, I think that, huh. that I call that air kicking. <laughs> it's like scuba diving, but yeah. in the air. <laughs> but, but here here's here's the kicker. It's not extreme till you have to you, do your landing. Right. So the <laughs> air kicking has to be done in a precise manner so that when you hit the slope, a really steep slope, sure, yeah. preferably because otherwise you're going to squash. <laughs> of course, uh, you, you can just keep snowboarding. Wow. Oh, that's right. extreme, no? Yes. Well, yeah. If, right, so well, if, Andre, you have to think of a new name for that because air kicking is a real thing. What? All right. So, but that sounds like a good sport too. Air kicking is oh, uh, the take you sit on a water cannon and then it shoots you sixty feet into the air into a pool. Huh? huh. Air kicking. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. So, sorry, Team Ottawa, for that. I think landing on a very steep slope from an airplane is more. Extreme. Yeah, that sounds better. That sounds more <laughs> than you for that. Now, do you have a parachute in that instance? No, no, no. Okay. You, you got to get this yeah, right. You, you got to aim too as you're <laughs> That's falling, right. and, and you can right because yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. your your board is going to have yeah. quite a bit of lift. On, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, you'll be able to steer that. Yeah, unless unless You're able it, to steer it steers it a little. You. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last round here. One nothing for Team Guest still. Uh, Andre, the sport is bull running. Oh, yeah. In Spain, of course. Bull running, that's correct. It's a sport, and it's real. Yeah, you run I, with the bulls? I haven't done it, though. Yeah, that's, it seems... That's, that's you pretty know, dangerous. <laughs> it seems like borderline not a sport. Like, that yeah. seems like, <laughs> like you know, it's an activity. People, like, yeah, people get injured or die most yeah. years. Is there, so. like, a... Because a sport, you kind of need a strategy or something, right? Or some skill. Yeah. Like jump seems, really high, jump yeah, higher just, than a bull. You can have jump. to be faster than the other guy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right, or, so, or hide on the little cracks that the buildings have. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. not go. That's yeah. another way to win that sport. <laughs> In a way, right. we're all winners. <laughs> that is two nothing for yeah. Team Guest wow. Ottawa. This is your chance. To, oh, you can't even really win this, but just all right. BMXing is that a real sport or a made up sport? Now, do you think Keegan is taking a stance here? He's going to say it's actually not a real sport. Is it actually called BMXing? Yes, I, I want to say it is a real sport. Sure, that's, let's unless it's it. a trick question by Keegan. It might be. No, trick no you have to decide whether it's extreme I'm, or not. I'm going to say I'm, yeah. I'm going to yes. call it an extreme sport. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, but British moped extreming is not oh. a real sport. That's not. That's just three words. That doesn't make any sense. British moped extreming. You yeah. know, and, obviously not a real sport. And, and we knew something oh might come up. I didn't even think of asking what BMX yeah. stood for. Team Ottawa, another zero game for you guys. <laughs> that means team guest, you're the winner. Great job, Andre. Congratulations, Andre. Yeah, yeah. Nice Let's work. cheers uh, with this this last beer. Yeah, last beer. So we, we were running um, running up on time, but I yeah, want to talk yeah, about tell this us last what, beer. about this third one. So this is a maple porter. Yeah. So this. What's it called? Por- 
Maple Porter. Just Maple yeah. Porter. Yeah. Classic. Easy enough. Yeah. So Talk it, about it. It's a Porter beer. Um, but uh, this one we didn't use our spring water to make uh, oh. because we didn't use water at all. The only Whoa. thing we oh. used here for making this is uh, it's a typical Porter recipe, but instead of water, we used maple sap. So I wow. uh, I tapped 100 trees on the property. On the property. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. And then uh, my dad and I went and collected the buckets and then, you know, used use the sap mm-hmm. to make huh. uh, to make the beer. Oh wow. Um and maple sap is a bit that's more liquid than the syrup that Absolutely. Make, right? So it's yeah. it's mostly water. Right. Which yeah. is something I learned very very recently, like embarrassingly recently. I did not know that. <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it takes yeah. a lot of sap to make syrup. It takes 40 liters of sap to make 1 liter of syrup. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Uh so needless to say it's not but, easy to come up with <laughs> this quantity of beer from. It's a, it's from a, a bit labor intensive. I think most uh, other breweries would think I'm a little bit insane <laughs> to even yeah. attempt uh, making it in the commercial fashion. Yep. Uh, because of the amount of uh, labor and also, I guess, pretty expensive raw material. Sure, sure. Instead of just water on tap, which is pretty easy. I mean, yeah. that's just electricity and a pump, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, this this one involves, you know, going through the forest and picking up all your uh, buckets, right. bringing we- it in. Now, um, we did basically the mash in maple sap. So you bring up the, the maple sap to mashing temperature yeah. and, uh, and then uh, soak the grain in there yeah. and start your recipe. Now, the... the Typically, when you're done with the grain, you sparge it with extra water, uh, which we can't really do because we're using sap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we'd rinse it a bit with extra buckets that we had. But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty expensive of a type of batch to make, but it really put us on the board for making something that's unique. And, yeah, uh, sure. People really enjoy. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, some of the water inevitably comes from the spring it just comes up and then yeah it's really the trees. oh yeah. yeah that's right actually it's, it's, it's kind property. of funny because the maples that are right next to the spring are the first ones to yeah. uh, to give the, the sap <laughs> that's awesome yeah. oh yeah i guess so that yeah makes sense. They, they thought out first <laughs> interesting it's a little bit smoky as well or like smoky or woody maybe so so the the little bit of smokiness would yep. be from um the uh the heavily roasted malts that we use oh, okay mm. yeah Typical for a porter mm-hmm. uh, to use uh, those almost uh, charred uh, malts. Right. But the other thing that you'll notice, the woodiness is exactly oh. a very good I'm getting pretty good attribute. at this. Wow. Yeah, and, that. and that comes from the tree. I mean, it's right. basically it's sap coming out of the yeah, tree. Right. So, so imagine maple syrup. If it wasn't sweet, if it wasn't caramelized, sure. what, what what flavor would you get there? And uh, you get almost nuttiness, right? Right, uh, yeah. like mm-hmm. a like a, a wood type of thing. Yeah. Right, interesting. So you've 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 talked about uh, you know using things on the property, but 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 mainly in, t- in terms of the property's sort of natural form. Yeah, uh, with the springs, with the trees that are already there, and and sort of just sort of maintaining it the way it is on top of that from what i understand cartwright springs you whether it's your staff whether it's everybody involved you do a lot of work for just general environmental protection yes actually we well the first uh, subject uh, that we had approached was uh, how to start the brewery and yes. typically you just lease a building that has all everything running yeah um we had to build we wanted to build the brewery right next to the springs so that we could minimize the footprint of 
you know, trucking in the spring water. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, so we don't do that. Basically, we we just have a conduit go straight to the spring and we pump it into the, huh. the brewery. Oh, great. So we're using electricity. Yeah, sure. It's, uh, <laughs> That's it. <laughs> now there are, of course, uh, some little uh, things that you have to think about um, being a brewery out there. We now have to be very careful about uh, the environment because if we pollute our spring, we're dead, right? Yeah, for well, sure. Not only is it a terrible thing to do, but it's also shooting ourselves in the foot as far as a business is concerned. It right. directly so, affects um, you. So we, uh, we had to develop some very, very uh, new, innovative ways at the brewery to be super eco-friendly. Yep. Um, uh, the first thing we had to deal with is how do we deal with our effluent basically the wastewater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so we, we developed the first in Ontario brewery-specific effluent treatment system. We're very proud oh, of it. Oh, that's great. It was a very big investment, but, uh, but we have exceptional results of uh, our wastewater uh, treatment. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's uh, great. Yeah, we're pretty proud of that. Uh, if people come to the brewery, we uh, typically, if they, they come on a tour of the brewery, we'll, we'll show them the whole thing, exactly how everything's done. Um, and uh, it's it's pretty involved. There's there's a lot to it, but uh, being the first in Ontario was pretty tricky too because <laughs> yeah. uh, you can imagine when you send a proposal to the uh, health unit on, hey, this is what we want to do for dealing with our wastewater, and they're like, wow, we've never seen that before. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're going to need a lot of engineers and a lot of paperwork <laughs> and a lot of, uh, yeah, sure. uh, huh. signed documents uh, proving that this kind of thing works. Well, now we have the results, and we're very, very happy about it. You're a pioneer of sorts. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, you, it's good, innovative uh, in the in the field of uh, well, new new things. Uh, uh, how to do in the brewery? Yeah. 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 Are there are there other breweries that are approaching you on how you did it and want to yeah, do it yeah, themselves? Yeah, absolutely. There's two other breweries lined up right behind oh, us. That's uh, awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Implement the same uh, solution. That's not great. bad. Not bad. Uh, it's good. good. And well, then we also had to uh, figure out a way of uh, not using chemicals, right? Because well. Uh, throwing throwing harsh detergents and things like that into the uh, the wastewater is uh, obviously not very eco friendly. Sure, right. So um, we uh, we do a lot of scrubbing oh. to get rid of our, our uh, you know the, to clean our tanks and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a bit more labor, but yep. uh, but it's we don't need to use uh, harsh uh, detergents. Sure. And then uh, the only thing we're left with is sanitization. And uh, for sanitization, we decided not to use um, again. Uh, the typical thing that you'll do is uh, use uh, chlorines or Javex or things like that. You know, the, uh, none of these things are good for the environment and none of these things are good for your health either. So we decided uh-huh. to uh, use ozone and uh, ozone is a fantastic yeah, sure. uh, sanitizing yeah. agent. Uh, it's a it's a free radical oxygen. Uh, yep. It doesn't affect us as humans. Yep. It doesn't affect the uh, the environment because it evaporates and and. Uh, but it uh, definitely kills uh, yeah, microbes, sure. bacteria, all that huh. stuff, because uh, O's on their own are unstable, and they need sure. to bind to carbon. Of course. And everything living is carbon-based, so everything living in your <laughs> tanks, whatever, gets demoleculized. Oh, wow. Not bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Very That's cool. awesome. Yeah. Okay. So with that, we have actually run up on time now. So the first thing I'd like to do is give you a chance to promote the brewery. Where can people find... Like, where is the brewery... In terms of, yeah, if somebody wanted to go for a tour, what time are tours available? Also, are you on social media? Give the whole spiel. Anything you want to promote. So it's quite easy. Uh, If you Google brewery in Pakenham, because that's where we are, (laughs) uh, I assure you there's no other breweries in Pakenham. Okay. Uh, And and 
probably for a very long while there will not be another yeah. brewery in Pakenham. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so just uh, just Google the brewery in Pakenham, um, and our, our website is uh, csbeer.ca. So Cartwright Springs csbeer.ca. Okay. Um, on the website, uh, you'll you'll find my phone number. And uh, you're free to call me. Like uh, I get a lot of calls every day. Oh, that's I, great! I try, I try to get them all, um, but uh, people call me to you know find out if uh, such and such beer is available. I try to keep the website updated, yeah. so that's the first uh, step. But yeah. uh, uh, also, people call me if uh, they're in the area and they want to drop in and see if I'm actually working in the brewery and I could serve them. Uh, and I, I welcome people to call me just for that as well, because mm. uh, I put I post our hours to be open from Friday to Monday, yep. uh, but, but I'm in there all the time, <laughs> so, uh, so, so I don't mind when people just drop in and you know mm. if they want to buy a bottle or two and and uh, that's that's fine. Not bad. And yeah. do you guys have any events or or new new beers coming up June July? That's one. That's we, when it is right now. We always have new beers coming out. Yeah. Um, that's the nice thing about being a microbrewery is uh, we can just keep switching it up right, and yeah. keep, keep people is, is entertained with the, the new, uh, <laughs> sure. new flavors. Yeah. Um, we we have uh, we have seven beers available right now. We had nine for a while. Some of them they drop off, but they'll get done again later um, or not depends right we keep making new stuff like yeah we we have a new one in the tank now it's actually a, a gluten reduced beer oh, uh, there's been a lot of requests for a gluten reduced so yeah. all right i did a bit of research and uh, found out i can use a, an enzyme to break down gluten and uh we're gonna give that a go that's awesome uh, cool. yeah. so creme caramel coming out in three weeks all yeah. right yeah now, cool. now. Yeah, if, if this, oh, yeah, that's we're right. recording this for, for three weeks from now, so that'll be... Oh, out. well, there you go. Oh, it's going to be available. Uh, just check our website, make sure it's up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there we go. Not bad. <laughs> all, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, anything anything else you want to promote, or I guess that's... Yeah, that's our Facebook like, page is active yeah. as well. Uh, we yep. keep posting where we're going to be. So if you like us on Facebook, you'll get uh, you'll get little blurbs of you know when beers are available or if we have fun things coming up, which we always do. Oh, yeah? Awesome. Great. Okay, yeah. perfect. Uh, Rob, uh, where can the listeners find us? They should head to ottawapodcast.com. Should. But, uh, that, that's where you'll find us. That's okay. where you'll find the podcast. You'll find Ottawa news articles. Yep. And uh, go follow us on Twitter, Ottawa Podcast. Okay. Keegan, uh, do you have anything to say? Yeah. Is, uh, is, spun, is sponge made of something or is that um, like an animal at the bottom of the sea? Both. But the sponges we use... The sponge we use are usually plastic now, but there are actual animals called sponges that look like sponges. And are used like sponges? Yeah. Are used like sponges? Like, is that where the, a sponge came from as an yeah. animal? Yeah, I oh, think yeah. it was uh, something at the bottom of the sea. Yeah. And, uh, Ooh, and you scrub your and now we, pots with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, now we make them out of plastic or whatever. Yeah, now. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> I I have a lot to teach you, Keegan. Yeah, right. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Ending like <that>. strong. <laughs> Every time I, I you regret it. I, yeah, I, I'm like Keegan. Do you have something to say? And I regret it instantly. It's, it's food for thought. Uh, okay, yeah. I don't know if it is. Uh, Andre, <laughs> we're gonna let you finish off this episode by saying Ottawa. Ottawa what? 